1: Welcome to First Bite, our preview podcast for the Detroit Lions 2020 season. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the permanent host of First Bite, our preview podcast, which is mini sized so that you can just listen to us on the way to work. A nice 30, 40 minute podcast, not like our full POD cast, but the whole podcast is devoted to the Lions' next game. This week, we've already made it to week two, guys. It's all the way to week two. It feels like the season is about 10 months long already. After week one's performance but we're going for all the all of you that are still listening that are still engaged with the lines after what happened last week we appreciate you Uh, we have a good show for us today Uh, we have a nice Packers guest which we'll get to in a minute but first let me introduce my co-host to my virtual right here
2: Ryan Matthews is with us Ryan how you doing buddy I am tired but I am ready to rock does that make (laughs) sense I hope so sure am I convincing enough
1: okay it worked for me. Oh, my power just kind of went out. Am I still here? Do you see that? Yeah, was that a little brown out? I guess so. I don't know. We're still running, though. You can still hear me, so we're just going to keep going with it. Uh, anyways, our Packers guest this week to give us the rundown of everything Green Bay uh, is the wonderful friend of the show, Evan Tex Western, the managing editor of Acme Packing Company. My, uh, my doppelganger, I guess, if I covered a good team.
3: <laughs> Wait, th- that's those are some awfully kind words uh, for for a Packers fan from coming from a Lions fan. So I, I appreciate that. That's that's very nice of you. Uh,
1: that's about as nice as I can be, I think, given uh, <laughs> everything that seems to happen with your franchise and how lucky you all seem to be. But let's, let's jump into, before we get into what happened last week, before we get into this matchup, let's talk about the Packers offseason because I found it kind of interesting, you know, uh, the new GM Brian Gutenkirster, or however you say his last name, uh, he kind of got a, a rep early on, like, okay, this guy's actually going to do stuff in the offseason. It's going to be exciting for Green Bay for once. They're going to be proactive. And then come this year, they kind of don't do anything. Am, am, I, am I wrong? Did I miss something?
3: No, there there really wasn't a whole lot, uh, certainly not in free agency. And I think part of that was just due to the big spending spree that they had last year, getting the Smith brothers, getting Adrian Amos, getting Billy Turner, spending all that money. Um, and, and fundamentally, the Packers have a bunch of contracts coming up at the end of this season uh, in the 2021 offseason that they're going to have to deal with. So um, I think that was a, a big reason for you know basically the Packers going, you know, sifting through the bargain bin really for the the two semi- major free agency acquisitions, if you can call it that, um, one of whom is you know, certainly very familiar to Lions fans and Rick Wagner, um, and then the other being Christian Kirksey, the linebacker formerly of the Browns, um, just going with, with a fairly low dollar, um, kind of low risk, but possibly high reward uh, deals for those two guys on two-year deals to, to see if they can come in and, and give the Packers a little juice.
2: Well, aside from free agent acquisitions, we need to talk about the draft because that is everybody's favorite topic with the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. We need to talk about my favorite set of thick thighs
3: in yeah. the NFL
2: <laughs> today, and uh, we need to talk about the quarterback who didn't even suit up on week one. So give me the lowdown. Like, We're not getting a lot, of, we're not getting a lot out of these guys to begin, but it doesn't seem like that seems to be a problem for Green Bay.
3: No, I, I think this team was really counting on internal development from last year to this year. Uh, the the receiving crew um, basically stayed entirely intact. The the one other guy that they added was Devin Funches, who opted out for for COVID this year. So they're they're counting on Alan Lazard to take a big step forward as the number two to to get Marquez Valdez Scantling to to be a a quality number three. But um, yeah, the fact that the Packers didn't draft a single receiver in this historic wide receiver class—it um, shocked everybody. Packers fans, probably most of all, uh, especially when they they moved up and, and took Jordan Love in the in the first round. Um, I had my eyes set on Brandon Ayuk the whole time, kind of coming down the into the twenties, and then San Francisco reaches up and snags him at twenty five, and kind of you know leaves me scratching my head a little bit thought maybe they might go for like a Michael Pittman or, or T Higgins or somebody along those lines. But um, yeah, the love pick just really felt like it came out of nowhere. And this is a very different situation than when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers in t- 2005. Um, Rodgers was, you know, one of the guys considered as the number one pick um, fell all the way to 24 and not a guy whose ceiling was maybe in the, the high teens and, and they moved up to get him like love. Um, and then you've also got the the far factor, the the willie won't he with the retirement that had already been going on for a couple of years. Um Rogers isn't isn't given any of that right now. Um, and so the the situation doesn't really, you know, seem to parallel very well to to when Rogers was drafted. Um, but if if this week one performance that Rogers put up was any indication, uh, this may be more akin to Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo than than anything else, if if he can sustain that level of play. Um, and that's going to be the the big question. Uh, moving
1: on to that that thick-thighed running back that, that <laughs> Ryan mentioned. Let's talk a little about A.J. Dillon. Uh, I have my own reservations, as our audience knows, about drafting a, a running back as high as the second round. Um, seems maybe even more curious for the Packers considering they have Aaron Jones. They have an okay situation in their backfield. What was your reaction to that pick?
3: Yeah, that one was a bit of a shocker, too. And And again, there were some receivers on the board at the end of the second round that I thought could have been in play. Um, Matt LaFleur had said at the combine that he wants to have a three headed running back monster in, in his room and he wants three guys that he feels confident in um, especially, you know, getting late in the season playing outside in the elements in green Bay. Um, So I think this was, this was part of that. Um, But again, I think it was also maybe a little bit of a a reaction to a couple of receivers coming off the board right before the Packers picked Denzel Mims went off the board of the jets, two or three picks ahead. And so, um, you know, it certainly it sounds like that that they're they're a team that always sticks to their board, right? And they're not going to reach for a receiver if they've got another guy um, rated more highly. So it's just right that the position, the fact that they've got solid players there um, at at that position group already, and just the general evaluate or valuing of running backs um, that this team has tended to do over the last you know and fifteen twenty years. Um, that threw all of us for a loop, and then the fact that he never really did anything as a receiver in college—that was maybe even the biggest shocker. Um, but uh, it sounds like in in camp his his hands have been really good. Um, certainly the the legs made a a big a big deal that first day at camp when he showed up with the short shorts on. <laughs> but um, you know the team really likes his his hands and his potential receiving ability. I think they they bought into the idea that Boston College just never really used him that, that way. It wasn't a part of their offense and they think that he can he can pitch in there but he certainly will be playing third fiddle to um to aaron jones and jamal williams and um i think he got two carries and like five snaps against minnesota um looked good i think he took him for about seven or eight yards apiece, um and he kind of showed that leg drive that you want to see from from a guy with with his physique so um long term you know maybe he'll be a bell cow maybe he'll be a complimentary guy if they re-sign aaron jones but um that that's you know we'll we'll see where that goes and then honestly I still think that the biggest maybe shocker was drafting a an H back in the third round in Josiah Dugara and he's the one who actually played the most of any of these guys on Sunday um, yeah. they really like him in that kind of Kyle Usechek role um, the way Shanahan uses him out in in San Francisco and they they used him that way on Sunday um, you'll see him in lined up as a traditional fullback as a wing as a probably split out wide, put him in the slot. I mean, they they put him everywhere in his 24 snaps on Sunday, and you'll probably see a lot of that uh, this coming week as well.
2: Yeah, I, I, well, I, go ahead I ahead. was going to say real quick, I, I don't find it all that shocking that they went A.J. Dillon for the reasons that you mentioned, uh, Tex, but in addition to that, you see how running backs are getting paid this offseason and into the season with Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Seems like smart business to just take a running back and, and keep that position at a low cost.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It it just surprised me that they did it that early. Um, I had maybe yeah. a guy like Josh Kelly from UCLA. He was the guy that I was really interested in maybe early on day three. Um, There's a couple of those guys, um, you know, Jones and Williams, both day three guys in 2017. Um, I thought that was kind of the, the approach that they were going to take, especially with needing some Some help, obviously, again, at receiver, some some help at offensive line, uh, I think could have could have potentially been a a big thing on day one. So um, it it just when they took it was a bigger surprise to me than the fact that they they drafted a running back. So you you take
1: all the offseason, you know, not a ton of moves in free agency, bunch of surprises on draft day. You hear all of the you know statistical models telling you that the Packers weren't a thirteen and three team last year, and they're due for a bunch of regression this year. What were your thoughts going into the season? What was your thought about the ceiling of this team, and and maybe um, potentially the floor as well?
3: Yeah, I thought a realistic expectation for this team is somewhere in the ten and six range. Um, I think there's the 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 one score game regression thing. I do buy into a fair amount, and the Packers were eight and one last year in one score games. So that, that even if, you know, even if that levels out to, you know, closer to 500, that, that takes about three wins off the board. And that puts you right about 10 and six. Um, and as far as, you know, ceiling and floor, I could see this team, you know, being a 500 team. If the breaks don't go their way, if they get a little bit of bad injury luck, um, obviously, if something happens to Rodgers, all bets are off. But um, with this schedule, the, I mean, the NFC North has a tough one this year. And the Packers certainly are going to run into some tougher quarterbacks, and and they got lucky last year with missing Patrick Mahomes when he was out, missing Stafford in Week 17. Um, you know, now that there's a, a four-week stretch where I think they get Brady, um, Kirk Cousins again, um, shoot, John Watson, and then the 49ers in back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks. Um, so that's a that's yeah. going to be a really tough stretch. Um, I don't see this team going better than 12 and four. I think that's a, a best case scenario. Um, but yeah, somewhere in that middle at 10 at six seems reasonable, but a lot of that is predicated on this offense kind of gelling in Matt LaFleur's second year. And, um, it's, that's the kind of thing that LaFleur has talked about all summer that Aaron Rodgers has talked about all summer. And you saw the, the first glimpses of that really coming to fruition against Minnesota.
2: Well, the Green Bay Packers are closer than the Detroit Lions to 10 and 6. And if you caught the game on, if you caught any of the highlights from the Lions game, it might seem like they're a lot closer to 10 and 6 than the Detroit Lions are. But, I mean, to, to, to start the season like that, 43 points against a, a defense that everybody kind of thought, you know what, if it's healthy, it's probably one of the top defenses in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers' revenge tour? Is that what this is, Tex?
3: There's some of that. There's definitely a, a little bit of that. There's a motivation factor. I think with that, you know, he's he's always been a guy who plays better when he's got a chip on his shoulder and what better way to put a chip on his shoulder than drafting a guy who, you know, you think can be his long-term replacement. Right. Um, so between that um, he said, there were a couple things that that he tweaked in the off season. Um, he, he went back and looked at some film. It looked like, he was setting his feet much better, and and actually, you know, using good foot fundamentals and footwork, um, especially on some of his deep balls, which is something he hasn't always done. Um, he's always had a great arm to make up for that, but if he's actually throwing the ball in rhythm and and with a good base and good fundamentals, that's going to just change things entirely for him on in those intermediate throws and some of those deep balls. And I think you saw that; um, it, it was visible to me uh, that that he looked like he was much more accurate just overall all across the field um, against Minnesota. I, I do think Minnesota's defense is, is in trouble, to be honest with you, this year. Um, Daniel Hunter being out, again, missing a guy with in, to, to injury certainly didn't help. Um, Yannick Ngakwe is probably not entirely up to speed on the defense. But then that cornerback group just got ravaged by departures in the offseason. And the Packers just picked on those guys nonstop in that game. Um Adams, I think had 17 targets. Uh, Velda scantling went deep a bunch of times and and probably should have had um honestly the the team probably should have been over 50 points because they had three red zone trips in the first quarter uh, or the, the early part of the first half that went field goal, stopped on fourth and one and field goal. um if they punch any of those in, you know certainly that's a that's a different story. And then there was a, a couple of drops by MBS uh, one on what should have been about a 60 yard touchdown. So they they left plays on the field, which is probably a scary thing for for defenses thinking uh, thinking about what that team did on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and and you brought up something I wanted to talk about is, is those Packers wide receivers because yeah, I I rewatched the game myself and and I couldn't decide whether like these Packers wide receivers had taken a big step or if the Vikings young secondary was that bad. Do you kind of have an opinion on that? Um, a little bit of both, a little column a, a, little column B.
3: Yeah, that, that's where I'd be at. Um, yeah. Certainly, the the Adams was going to torch some of these young guys. Um, he's just got such a great release, and and I think I saw that the oldest Vikings corner was like twenty four years old and was a second year guy or something like that. I mean, right? Put, putting them up against a guy like Adams is is just not fair. But um, but yeah, with with MVS and Lazard, um, those two guys are are I think great complementary pieces to Adams because he's you know, he's kind of your, your possession guy. He'll run just about any route. You can use him on a lot of intermediate stuff. And then MVS is your deep threat, just that, that pure speed burner type of guy. Um, and then Lazard is going to be a guy who just, you know, he's, he's a big physical body. He's going to make some tough catches. Um, and he's got, he's got a little better speed than I think people give him credit for. Um, but I think the, the, the work in, in August, Again, everybody really starting to understand this offense, why things are working the way they are. Um, I think that that goes a long way. But um, I do think the the matchup against those Vikings corners was a huge part of it as well. And and they picked on them early, often, and it certainly paid off.
2: Now, flip side to the uh, to the other side of the ball, and the defense. I know they end up giving up thirty four points to a Vikings offense that. I mean, on paper, it looks pretty good. You got Kirk Cousins, you got Adam Thielen, you got Dalvin Cook. Are you concerned at all about the defense with the Packers right now after one week? Can we get a little bit of an overreaction? Or is it just something where the defense started to play a certain way and gave up a bunch of points in the fourth quarter?
3: Yeah, I think there was definitely a level of kind of prevent defense late in that game. Um, they, they only gave up 10 points and I mean, it was less than 200 yards through those first three quarters of the game. Um, they came up with a couple of big plays, the, the safety, um, right down up against the goal line on a, on a great blitz by Jair Alexander. Um, he made a great pick, uh, at the end of the, the first half to, to give him a, a chance to score another touchdown as well. So there's, there's lots of big play guys on this team. Um, and I I'm confident in this team defending the pass against just about anybody, but the run defense was the issue last year it was the issue against the san francisco 49ers twice including the championship game and i don't see anything to suggest that that has really been fixed and depending on kenny clark's status for the game on sunday um, i'm really concerned about that because i think last year he played 80 to 85 percent of the snaps um as their as as the primary nose tackle and, and interior tackle so with him out there um, if, if he can't play on Sunday, if he can't play the next couple of weeks, uh, that's going to be a huge blow to the interior of this defense, because up the middle is probably, um, the easiest place to start picking on this, this unit.
1: Well, that segues nicely into our, our final segment here in the first half of the podcast, which is the injury report. And so let's start right there. Let's talk about Kenny Clark. Um, obviously I'm not going to ask you to predict what's going to happen. Um, he, he left Sunday's game early, did not practice on Wednesday. What's the backup plan there? pray
3: i think (laughs) okay okay i i I, i'm i'm only half kidding apparently been very
1: that's apparently been very effective over there in green bay lately so you might be okay there's
3: there's that yeah (laughs) there there really isn't and none of the other guys in the roster are anywhere near the type of player that clark is um dean Lowry got a big contract before last season but he did not play up to it and and he's not really a run stuffing type of guy anyway he's a Um, more of your athletic five tech who can try to kind of collapse the pocket a little bit. Um, They've got a guy in Tyler Lancaster. Uh, He's a former undrafted guy out of Northwestern who he can kind of hold the point of attack reasonably well, I think in the run game, but he's not going to give you any sort of push up front. Um, And and you're going to have to kind of adjust some of your, your fits and things to the linebackers behind him. So yeah, I'm going to be very concerned um, if he can't play, if Clark can't play, um that you know that this team is gonna gashed on in the run game even more than they already are
2: and you you mentioned his name a little earlier in the podcast too Tex. but uh everybody's favorite former right tackle ricky wagner what's going on with the right side of the offensive line is the is the o-line in trouble is is rick wagner worthy of playing what's up with billy turner let me know.
3: Yeah, it's it's a crazy situation because Turner came in, looked like he won the right tackle battle against Wagner and camp. Um, Wagner had a little bit of it. A... Was that expected or no? No, honestly, was that think, totally out of nowhere. I think everybody kind of expected that that Turner would maintain his spot at right guard and that that Wagner would just kind of step in for Brian Belaga and they'd keep, you know, the same four uh, and then and then just swapping Wagner in um it it became pretty clear about two weeks into camp that turner was running ahead at at right tackle and and they had always kind of talked up his versatility even when they signed him before last year about the fact the fact that he he could kick out to tackle and potentially play there um but i think everybody thought the continuity of of keeping him at the same position might be something that, that they would would go with but i think the biggest shock was when turner wasn't able to go the fact that instead of just plugging wagner in They moved Elton Jenkins, the second-year guy from Mississippi State, over from left guard out to right tackle to start the game. Um, Plugged in Lucas Patrick, who's been a a solid backup guard. Well, then Patrick goes out. He gets hurt. They move Jenkins back into guard, uh, and and Wagner comes on to to play tackle. And for the most part, he played pretty well against Minnesota. Um, Now we got the issue that Lane Taylor, who was starting at right guard and won that job, um, he's done for the year with a knee injury. So – all right. If Turner and Patrick are both back, you could feasibly play Patrick at right guard, Turner at right tackle, and and kick Wagner back to a backup role. Um, it's it's very much musical chairs there, and I have no idea who's going to be the the starters at right guard and right tackle. I think Turner, if he plays, probably starts at one of those spots, but um, it it kind of depends on on what they like with the best you know the best five that they can put out there. But uh, like I said, Wagner, I thought played very well. Um, he got matched up on Yannick and Gakwe a couple times um, and, and held his own uh, on Sunday. But, um, you know, I, as, a, as a Wisconsin alum myself, I'm certainly rooting for the guy. And, and um, you know, I hope I hope he gets out there and gets a, gets a chance to play well. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a it's a mess. And, and no, none of us really have any any more clear idea what uh, what to expect than you do at this point.
1: All right, with that, we are gonna take our first break. When we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Lions injuries and then about the matchups, about what's going to happen on Sunday, and then we're gonna end with some predictions as well. So stick around, we'll be we'll be right back on first bite.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: And welcome back to First Bite, our preview podcast for the Detroit Lions Week 2 matchup with the Green Bay Packers and with us. Not as always, but most of the time, our good friend Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. Um, let's get right into the matchups, and we're going to start um, with the most beat up section of the Lions roster. That's their the secondary right now. Um, we got Desmond Trufant, uh, who I would say is questionable at best after leaving Sunday's game. Uh, Justin Coleman is absolutely out because he's on IR, and then we also have... Daryl Roberts, one of the backup outside corners, he didn't practice on Wednesday. The Lions are in a bunch of trouble there, but the good news is looks like Jeff Okuda is probably set to return. He, uh, he practiced in full on Wednesday, but they also weren't padded, so I think he still kind of has a, another hump to get over to, to make sure he's active. But long story short, Lions are shorthanded in the secondary. The, the Packers are coming off a huge performance through the air. Tex, is there any chance for the Lions here? <laughs>
3: Well, it's it's tough for anybody to to defend Devontae Adams at full strength. Um, I think, you know, my my guess is your best bet is probably just putting Okuda on him, shadowing him all across the field. Um, assuming assuming Okuda's the the number one guy that's left that's out there um at, at this point. Um that that's that's about all I feel like he can probably do. I mean, he's gonna play, you know, he'll play left, he'll he'll play on the left, the right, he'll play in the slot a little bit. Um, you'll see him kind of all over the place. But um, you know, one of the guys I I actually think Alan Lazard could be in for a big day because of his size, just at six five and about two twenty or so, that's a really tough matchup for for anybody. And um, I just think this might be a, a game where he's able to to put that size to good use and you know, maybe you know, get some some good jump ball situations going. Um, so yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, the Packers have gone a little more towards the 12 personnel playing a little more heavy lately. Uh, they certainly did in that first game, um, against Minnesota. So you'll, you'll probably only see three receivers, maybe on half of the snaps, uh, maybe even a little less than that. So, but I, I still think they're going to try to feed Adams as much as they, they realistically can. Um, again, 17 targets and 14 catches last week, and and I think this offense really get, this passing game is certainly going to cook through him. I'll just be interested to see how much they start trying to work the tight ends in the passing game because I think they had a combined three targets last week. So um, spreading the ball around, um, you know, Rogers he'll he'll zero in on Adams, but but those other guys are definitely going to be a big part of the game plan as well. And, and look for look for a couple of play action shot plays to to Valdez Scantling as well, um, trying to get him loose going deep.
2: Hey, Ryan, Jerry, I, I want to. Yeah, would you say that the Lions are hamstrung at quarterback? All right.
1: Do do, do I need to end this right now? I <laughs> no. will end this right now.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, the the thing I was actually going to ask you, Ryan, is do you think this is an opportunity maybe for the Lions to get the safeties involved a little bit? It, you know, a guy like Tracy Walker, maybe on Alan Lazard, is is something they may be considered. Obviously, he's kind of their 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 tight end cover guy as well. So it depends what, what formation the Packers are in there. But do you think there's a chance that maybe they, they cross-train a little bit and, and let, tra- let Tracy Walker kind of use that physical nature of himself to, to get involved? Do you know what
2: really sucks? J-Ron Curse is suspended.
1: Right? I was just thinking that,
2: too. He would be kind of a good matchup here. Yeah, especially you need a guy to fill in in the slot. That is what J-Ron Curse did last year. So it, it's a huge bummer that the Lions don't have him. But yeah, I, my question that I want to throw to Tex because I mean, I, I agree like they're probably going to go like three safeties. You might even see four safeties on the field at sometimes just because the Lions are, you know, in such a bad spot with their cornerbacks. But I was going to ask Tex like how malleable is LaFleur's game? Like in terms of his approach, because the Lions really got gashed up the middle uh, when it came to the run game. Do you think that, you know, he, he might mix it up a little bit more might, you know, turn to the run offense a little bit more.
3: Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a a possibility at least. Um, Again, with, with those matchups last week, it was clear that they were going to come out throwing the ball, but um, certainly the, he, he focuses uh, very heavily on that run game, kind of running that outside zone type of run game. So that works great with, yeah, that works great with, with Aaron Jones. who's just a tremendous one cut back. The, the, Kind of cutback style is his plays right in right into his style of play. Um, and, and I think that's that's certainly an area where I would expect the the Packers to focus a little bit, um, especially early on. Lafleur always kind of scripts those first ten to fifteen plays on offense. And um, so I think we'll get a good feel for for what the Packers want to try to do and and kind of feeling out the waters a little bit in in the first quarter or so, and then kind of see where they go from there. Um they did a little bit of that against Minnesota. Um, it was a lot of variable formations and personnel groups in those maybe first ten to twelve snaps. Um, you had a couple of jet sweeps in there. You had a lot of motion. I think those are things that they really want to get involved with the offense um, in in this second year in this system to to kind of take the distract the eyes a little bit of the defenders. And kind of get them looking one way, and get a lot of that misdirection type of stuff going. So that's, I think, going to be a lot of the stuff in the run game. Um, some end arounds, some jet sweeps. You get that outside zone going, the, the cutback type of runs. Um, I think that'll be a big, a big factor as well in the game plan.
1: Well, if if I'm the Detroit Lions, I think the the antidote to all that is not get a better defense because it's too late for that. It's not let the defense get on the field. And I think you kind of alluded it to uh, in, in the first segment there. Packers might be a little bit vulnerable running the ball. So let's talk about that matchup. The Lions potentially running the ball against that Packers run defense. We saw what Adrian Peter can can somehow still do last week uh, against a good defense in Chicago. Um, Lions legend Adrian Peterson. (laughs) Peterson. Um, Is is that a matchup you think the Lions can exploit and just bleed as much clock as possible? Because
3: we know the Lions love trying to do that, just bleed clock. Yeah, I think they've got to. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the run defense is by far the weakest part of this defense. And again, if Clark is out that, that just makes that that much more of an advantage for Detroit. So, um, I'd also like to just point out that the Packers are the only team in the NFC North to have never employed a a running back by the name of Adrian Peterson. Um, fun, (laughs) fun fact there. Technicality there, but uh, I'll accept it. Um, (laughs) but yeah, no, that's, that's, I think that's a, that's a great, approach for for detroit here is is keep the ball out of rogers hands as much as you possibly can um and and you know obviously you can't can't do any any damage when, he, when he's on the sidelines so the packers love to play light personnel on defense they've been really nickel and dime heavy for years um really under since mike Petton showed up um and they really don't have a a a consistent, reliable guy at that second inside linebacker spot in the three, four. So you're going to see a little bit probably of Chris Barnes. He's an undrafted rookie. Um, he played about 15 snaps look good in, in limited action against Minnesota. Um, had a, had a nice tackle for loss on a screen to Dalvin cook. So that was nice, but you'll also see probably safety. Raven green looks like he'll be back. He'll probably kind of play that dime linebacker spot quite a bit. And, um, you know, I just, it, what'll be interesting is is if the Packers, honestly, is if they're malleable on defense. If they're getting gashed in the run game, do they actually go to more of a base personnel? Um, I think that's going to be a, a a real interesting point. If they if they can't get ahead early, if it's a close game, or if if the Lions are you know are, are leading kind of midway through the game, they may have to switch back to kind of you know playing some personnel groups that they're not comfortable or not used to playing. Uh, with with going a little bigger a little bit bigger uh, up front on defense so that'll be something i'll be watching as well
2: so if the lions stand a chance uh in this game Tex, it's going to fall on matthew stafford's shoulders as usual it always happens that way is there a certain part of the secondary that is vulnerable to a passing attack i mean i, I know you said that it seems like the secondary is pretty you know built to last with jerry alexander and and whatnot but is, is there something that Matthew Stafford can take advantage of on Sunday?
3: Yeah, I think the, the probably the weakest spot right now is at free safety with Darnell Savage. Um, he's I mean he's a he's a super talented guy, real you know real fast, great athlete, but um, he's been known to to bite a little bit and get a little over aggressive. And so I think if you can get him maybe biting on some play action um, and then go over the top, I think that's a that's a good area where where you want to focus on um alexander i think is is on the cusp of being a a pro ball all, all pro type of player um so i would generally try to probably avoid throwing in his direction for the most part um you can you can make some some headway on kevin king um as far as um forcing him to tackle in space because that's that's definitely not a strength of his game so if you can get the ball into a receiver's hands um in space around king i think that's a that's a matchup that that you can you can make some um, some productivity out of. But yeah, if there's one guy in that secondary that I would be looking to attack right now, it's probably Savage just with his aggressiveness.
1: Yeah, and obviously uh, Kenny Galladay's status, uncertain at this point, did not practice Wednesday. Um, we saw the Lions kind of have moderate amount of success without him last week. They didn't have any of that other thing. Uh, (laughs) Quintus Cephas uh, looked good, started to develop some chemistry with Matthew Stafford, but uh, obviously that's going to play a big part in in whether the, the Packers will be able to stop those lines wide receivers. But let's get into our favorite part of the show, and that's our preview part, where we call it the one thing we think we know about the Lions game. It doesn't have to be a prediction of of the score, it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, who win, even who wins. It can just be like, "Hey, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw 15 touchdowns." Something crazy like that. Doesn't have to be crazy either. Um that is crazy, let's be clear. I know the Lions fans probably don't think that's crazy, but I think it's crazy. Uh so Ryan, let's start with you. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions versus Packers week 2? I think
2: I know exactly how this game's going to unfold. Let's hear the it. Line- we, we, we talked about it. The Lions are going to try to run the clock. They're going to try to drain the clock. They're going to try to keep it to a one score possession because they want to trust Matthew Stafford. It's not going to work. The Packers are going to take a big lead in the third quarter. And, I mean, it's going to be insurmountable because from the sounds of things, it, it seems like with the Lions a little shorthanded at receiver, potentially if Kenny Galladay doesn't play and the Packers secondary being one of their strong suits, I don't know if the Lions can dig themselves out of a hole, even if it's just two scores. All right, Tex, what about you? What's the one thing you think you know about Sunday's game?
3: I think I know that Aaron Rodgers is going to get at least two free plays in this game with his hard count. Um, he got three, I think, <laughs> against the Vikings. A couple of them just turned into yeah. qu- easy first downs on you know third and shorts. Um, and then he hit Valdis Scantling for a 40-yard um, on on a third one. So um, I, I think the the whole COVID situation with no fans in the stands, obviously, that was a big big part of it for for the Packers being able to use that hard count in in the dome last week. Um, certainly, they would be able to do it anyway coming back to Lambeau Field for this game. But um, that's such a it's become such a big part of of Rogers's you know his his whole presence is is just that 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 hard count that somehow it, it amazes me that he doesn't get more, more of his own linemen on false starts with it. Um, at this point right. that, uh, but yeah, I think that that's, that's probably the, the one thing. Um, and, and, you know, if the guys bite, then those, those free plays with, uh, with the, the receivers that the Packers have, that's going to be bad news for anybody.
1: Yeah. We've, we've seen plenty of those, uh, at the hands of Rodgers, and yeah, not, not my favorite. Uh, the one thing I think I know is I think I think Ryan's wrong. I th- I think this is going to be a close game. I think the matchup wa- matchup wise it, it makes sense for the Lions to to run a lot and they will. And I I think based on what they did against Chicago they'll be moderately successful at it. Um maybe maybe even fully successful at it. And now I don't think that means the Lions are going to run up the score or anything like that. They'll they'll probably eventually fall behind and then yeah, eventually going to have to scramble and put the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands and who knows what happens there because we don't know really what this line's offense will look like at full health or whether they'll be at full health uh, on Sunday. But, I mean, you, all you have to really do is look at last year. Like, the the Lions play the Packers well. They 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 were leading in all 60. Like, the Packers did not hold a lead in either of those two games and they still won the two. And I, th- I was watching Matt LaFleur's press conference today and he said it was a miracle that the Packers won both those games games and some would call him a miracle some would call it you know an act of blake Claitman. or what's his name blake cleatman cleat blakeman there it is i just reversed his name <laughs> <like> blakeman
3: <laughs> blake cleatman yeah. i hate to say it but you know who's officiating the game this week oh right? yeah okay we, we I'm, are i'm we sure are well, i'm sure get all over that one but
1: yeah that um but yeah n- I just I expect this to be a well fought game because I mean really you go back years and there hasn't been much of a blowout in this series since well there was the week seventeen what two years ago when the Lions beat them thirty one nothing and a meaningless game for both of them but um, in general like I think these two teams are in in terms of their talent I think they're very much lined up in terms of you know the. In terms of the matchups, I think they they line up well for both teams in different areas. So I do think this is going to be a close game. I'm not going to pick the lines to win. I'll I'll spoil that right now. But I do think it's going to be a close game.
3: Yeah, I, I would just add that you know on that that cool point about the run me. game, um, if if the Packers can't get into third and longs, that's when the defense seems to struggle. Um, it's it's when they get those stops on first and second down. Um, you know, get into third and seven plus, they let the Smiths and and Rashawn Gary pin their ears back. Um, that's when teams really get into trouble, um, and so if if you can keep third and manageable for most of this game against this Packers defense, you'll probably be just fine and and keep it competitive. So that's that's where I would um, that that's one of the areas I'd look to 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 kind of see where this game is going to go. Well,
2: let's hope the Lions can run the ball well on first and second down, then to put themselves in good position for a third down pass because they love being traditional.
1: <laughs> all right, before we close out, I am going to give one question to the chat because uh, I think it's a very fanservicey y question and I am all about servicing our fans. Uh, Uncle Indigo asks, what does Tex think about the refs from last year?
3: <laughs> um, I'll acknowledge there were some questionable calls. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to, to, <laughs> to give you that. Questionable is probably a, uh, a, an overly generous uh, <laughs> assessment of, of what happened in that game. So, yeah, that that it, it was it was a little ugly. I uh I'll be honest, I didn't get to watch actually most of that game live. I was uh I was driving out in the middle of Utah on, on a vacation, so I had it pulled in on on the on the XM radio. So I didn't actually get to see those calls live, but yeah, watching them back on the replay, um I think it was I can't remember if it was the first one or second one, but but uh the the hands to the face that just was was pretty pretty egregiously um A a poor call. So, not I, I, yeah, we benefited from it to be sure, but uh, I don't like winning that way. But I like winning. So, what are you going to (laughs) do?
2: You'll take it however you get it. (laughs) Jeremy,
3: I have one last question for everybody,
2: real quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I got to get my betting fix in. Over or under a half a flea flicker in this game? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Please let it be the under. Even though it was successful last year, in the one time it's ever been successful in the NFL level,
3: zero. Packers zero. won't. Packers won't run that. So I'm. 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 I'm going to go under too. Wait, no,
1: that's bad. I want the Packers <laughs> to run it because it doesn't work in the NFL
3: unless it works
2: in Lambeau Field with Marvin <laughs> Hall. <laughs> All right,
1: Tex, uh, let me give a moment for you to to take the stage. Let us know where we can find you on on Twitter, social media, what sort of stuff we can expect from Acme Packing Company this week, uh, anything that you think Lions fans might be interested in.
3: Yeah, thanks. Um, you can check out the site. It's at uh, it's at, at acmepackingcompany.com, all spelled out. Um, on Twitter, the, the blog is at Acme Packing Co. You can find me at Tex Western. Um, we've had some interesting uh, kerfuffles with a couple of Packers beat writers this week about the value of advanced analytics and DVOA. So expect us to to keep leaning into the the analytics side of things uh, over the next week or two here, um, because we're we're a pretty numbers heavy bunch, and so we we believe in marrying both the the numbers and the tape together on like some of the some of the the beat writers for the team. So. Um, if you're if you numbers yeah. numbers heavy numbers savvy, I think uh, you might find some interesting stuff at Ac- at Acme Packing Company this week.
1: Is there is there any chance you can explain to me in thirty seconds why the Lions have a higher DVOA than the Packers right now?
3: Um, I, I can't <laughs> tell you about the Lions. I know why the Vikings have a higher DVOA than the Packers, and that's because they actually average more yards per play. So um, they don't have it really waited for garbage time at this point. So. Um, I, I actually I know Aaron Schatz a little bit the yeah. the football outsiders guy and he um you know he was quick to note that while a DVOA is a per play efficiency their drive stats have the Packers as the best offense in the NFL based on uh, last week's game um, based on per drive stats Yay! so that's something worth uh, <laughs> yeah we've got that going for us
1: <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have let you talk more now we get now we're all sad again thank thanks for that <laughs>
3: <laughs> sorry about
1: that no you're good you're good uh thanks again Tex. thanks to you ryan and thanks to you the listeners appreciate you listening we will be back here on our twitch channel live right after the lions packers game twitch.tv slash pride of detroit and then later around 7 or 8 p.m we'll do our live pod cast full hour so make sure you're here for that but until then it's chaos be kind go lions